very special edition, the first of many special editions of the Purple Rock Survivor podcast. It is, of course, the Survivor off-season, but Andy and I wanted to bring you some special content. And Andy, why don't you tell the people what we're going to give them today? First off, I want to be clear. This is special, right? Because special, special, yes. special. I was uh, trying to underline it with my voice. Special. Special. Um, so one of the biggest things you do when you're a Survivor fan is rank seasons. Talk about where does this rank? Is this better than that? This one better than that? Which seasons should I be watching? What's the best? What's the worst? And um turns out I've never actually sat down and decided how to rank uh, Survivor. So why not do it now? You've always stood up to try to rank Survivor. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, that's how I could reach the top of the big board. But no, right. um, we decided uh, by the end of the summer here, before the next season of Survivor starts, John and I will give the official Purple Rock Survivor podcast rankings of all 28 seasons of Survivor. And while it would be awesome to just listen to me talk about it and let John, you know, set me up with questions, we decided to do something a little different uh, in the uh, lead up to that big event. Yes, I'll set other people up with questions, and then Andy can talk over them, as he tends to do. So we're going to do a series of these. Each one is going to have a different guest, and those guests will pitch guests will pitch us seasons, tell us why we should love the season or why we should hate the season. And uh, our first guest is our now, once again, tied for our most frequent guest, Emma. Welcome to the show, Emma. Good to be back. Thank you. I needed to have you on because I needed somebody else who has been watching the season, uh, the shows, the whole time it's been going. So Everybody else would be like, I watched it on DVD. I didn't have to live with commercials. But you and me, we know the the true Survivor experience. I've seen every season, and I started watching it from the beginning when I was 10 years old. That's close to reminding us. You know I I had to. You know I had to. Yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a few general questions we're going to cover about each season. But for the most part, we're just going to have a sort of freeform discussion about why certain seasons were great, why they sucked, what the best parts were, what the worst parts were. And so Emma, as our first guest, got the pick of the litter. She gets to talk about heroes versus villains. It is not going to surprise you listening to know that Heroes vs. Villains was ranked very highly on nearly everyone's <laughs> list that we talked to. Uh, and it will very likely rank highly on ours. I'm not going to say number one, because that's what the point of these podcasts is. But Emma, start us off. Tell us why Heroes vs. Villains is so good. Well, um, since I, like and you know, watched it as I've gone... Like, you know, as I've gone along, I have rewatched a few seasons, but mostly I have to kind of deal with what has actually stuck in my memory through this whole time. And, well, granted, Heroes vs. Films wasn't that long ago, but it was also, like, I can still remember, like, my mom and I being, like, excited about it. And, like, my brother, you know, who had watched the show off and on, like, decided, you know, he and his wife, like, watched the show again because it was so, like, ooh, it was, like, the, probably one of the most exciting, like, gimmicks you know, I guess you could say they'd ever sort of put forward since All-Stars, and it worked out a lot better <laughs> than those. Um, and it just, you know, there was good gameplay, there was funny, mo- like, it had comedy, it had, like, drama, it had strategy, it just kind of had everything you would want. 
Yeah, what I like about All-Star Seasons, and obviously uh, Heroes vs. Villain is one of two, is that everybody's playing right away, and we know who they are. You know, Survivor Seasons have a tendency of starting a little slow, because you're still trying to figure out who everybody is and why things are the way they are. Um, you don't need that with All-Star Seasons. Uh, fans versus favorites a bit, if you care at all about the fans. Uh, but yeah, right away we were getting, you know... Like Sugar, who was the star of her season, is an afterthought. You know, right? You know, voted out. You already uh, have in your head maybe some of the relationships, and that was certainly the case here. And I think that the heroes versus villains concept, while some of the villains and heroes were loosely defined, <laughs> at least it uh, it kind of gave a bit of a theme. Uh, it's not just uh, these are you know the twenty biggest you know fame mongers that we've had to come back but it's like you know the heroes were by and large you know um challenge people people that were more you know trying to play honorable type games uh as ridiculous as that premise is whereas mm-hmm. the villains were more you know strategic players the people that were a little sneakier so then and yeah, coach and coach exactly <laughs> <laughs> the people that you roll your eyes on uh, and, and it was just interesting to see that clash of styles. Well, I actually found the Jeff Probst's pre-season assessment of the cast. I was looking, I was actually doing some research for the, this podcast, believe it or not. And I found Probst's assessment of everybody. And it will not surprise you to learn that if Probst had to put his money on any one player in this season, Kobe Dunn. who did he, oh, it would apparently surprise you to learn then. Boston Rob. But the answer is Boston Rob. Exactly. That was my second guess. You know, it had to be one of his man crashes. Well, he actually points out in that cast assessment video that he was a little disappointed in Colby from All-Stars because, you know, Colby just hadn't come out quite as strong as he expected. But Colby was in really great shape this time, so <laughs> he was expecting God. good things. If he was yeah. disappointed at Colby All-Stars, which is yeah. understandable, he must have just been, what, apoplectic uh, for We're Colby jammed. and Heroes versus Villains? Uh, uh, this whole season bad. basically serves as the breakup note between Colby and Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, maybe he anyway. can get JT to write it. <laughs> <laughs> so it many great moments, show. so many things. Like, every episode yeah, there was something happening. It really was. Like, I was um, to prepare, you know, since it had been, you know, a few years since I, it aired, I reread all of um, Dalton Ross's recaps just to sort of freshen my memory on some of it. And yeah, it's like every ep- even he writes in it, like, I keep, you know, Survivor every season, like, has one dull episode, and I keep waiting for it to happen, and it doesn't. And yeah, really, like, the first one, goes. I guess, just kind of cutting sugar loose might have been the least... Interesting, or maybe you know Randy being the no-brainer vote out for the villains. Which, which here's a theory. Do you think that was Boston Rob's biggest mistake was voting out Randy instead of uh, Parvati at that moment? I think uh, for. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say just because, and I I know you did too, Andy. Um, I just rewatched Micronesia, and it seems like that's often people's biggest mistake. Yeah, not voting out poverty when they get the chance. But it's yeah, actually it's like... not to talk too much about not heroes versus villains, but it's kind of amazing how in the beginning of Micronesia, they're right away like poverty's a threat. Let's get rid of her because it's not like she played an amazing game in Cook Islands, but they like 
zeroed in on the fact that she was going to be good, and they weren't wrong. Yeah, and then it's the same thing in Heroes vs. Villains. So in the very beginning, they were like, oh, maybe we should talk, vote out poverty. And that's obviously what Randy was pushing, but I believe that's what Coach and Jerry were pushing, too. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, like, that was the opportunity. And they didn't go to uh, Tribal Council again until, like, day 14 or 15 or whatever, like, uh, t- for Tyson. The sixth right. vote. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Now, let's, let's talk a bit about Tyson before we're done here. We should, uh, because we th- this is where the season flips for the first time. I mean, it it actually, at several points, just it could go in totally different directions, and y- this season could play out a thousand different ways. But yes, the, the first major flip in the game is Tyson essentially voting himself out. Uh, and it's all because of Russell. To his credit, convinces Tyson that Tyson should vote out Parvati, and then Russell hands over his idol to Parvati for her to play on herself at Tribal Council. And it works. Yeah, that's a huge moment. And it's not even the best Tribal Council idol moment. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, of that season, yeah. And and it kind of shows again just how often and how early, you know, Parvati was being targeted. Like, there's even... Before before the tribes merged, even the heroes were gunning to get rid of Parvati in another moment that I'm sure we will talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, so sweet JT. Yeah, yeah so like, uh, Russell does end up surviving that. Boston Rob and and Russell essentially pit themselves against each other. The next vote, I think it's the next vote. Um, well, the next time the villains go, they actually the villains yeah. win the next one, but then. Right, the next actual villains vote. Or no, Rob I guess has... it was... T- th- th- they didn't even lose that. When Tyson went out, it was just because they had a double vote out. Yeah, that's true. Right, but I'm saying that vote So the very that... next vote was villains. Because basically, yeah, as soon as they took out Tyson, the villains didn't win again. All right, Wikipedia, let me get to my point. Yes, I will. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> then, Rob has clearly pitted himself against Russell... Rob is convinced that he's got Coach on his side and Jerry on his side. Russell's going to go home. And, of course, Coach being Coach flips on Rob but isn't man enough to do it and writes down Courtney's name as his vote instead and just lets Rob get voted out. And Rob does the whole, you're a coward, you're a small man, as he walks away. And Coach had had such a huge man crush on Rob before that, too. So that must have just destroyed him. Yeah, and it, I think... Was, go ahead. It was great watching him go in for the hug to Boston Rob. Like, oh, man, uh, you know, really sorry about that. And Boston Rob just big times him. Like, no, you're dead to me. <laughs> just brushes <laughs> him off. And I think the way uh, that that went down for you- Boston Rob with Coach <laughs> is how you saw uh, Rob treat Philip later uh, in Redemption mm-hmm. Island. He realized at that point, it's like, if somebody's just going to be that way, I just got to, you know, uh, massage their ego because, you know, they never know when they might be useful to me. I think we need to hear more of John's Boston Rob impression. <laughs> it kind of sounds like Rocky after a few punches. <laughs> well, we'll get to Andy's Rupert impression later, I'm sure, because Rupert was in this season. That he was. So, uh, that's another thing I love about the seasons. All of the quote-unquote heroes, most of them were dicks, and it was fantastic. And oh, a lot yeah. of the villains were more entertaining. Um, and what's oh, interesting yeah, is that... was great. 
I do love this season as well. Um, yeah, it will probably rank very highly for me. Even though, you know, my favorite, very favorite player of all time, uh, loses to one of my, uh, least favorite players of all time. And I think that shows the strength of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the biggest selling points is that so many big names go home early. Boston Rob, Sari, Tom, really big names in Survivor. And the season is still amazing despite that. Mm-hmm. Also, in watching the pre-season assessment or whatever video, I didn't remember this. Maybe you guys remember this better than I did, but Sandra is actually in pretty decent shape. I remember Sandra as being like essentially the Cochrane of physical challenges, so she wasn't in exactly peak form. But Sandra is actually in shape. She's just really terrible at challenges. I think. Yeah, just- I don't know. I just knew she was bad at challenges, but I mean, I guess it depends on what, like, in, like, what you mean by, like, in shape. I mean, she was bench pressing school buses in the preseason assessment. (laughs) What do you think she was doing? It was just, she's not as, (laughs) neither did I until today. So anyway, she didn't look like, you know, you see Cochran, you assume that guy is going to do terribly at challenges for the most part, other than eating gross foods. But Sandra, not in bad shape. She's just really, really terrible at challenges, which they point out to her later on. Yeah. So when moving along, getting rid of both of the, both her and Courtney while they're shitting with them. <laughs> yes, Russell always filled with tact. Mm-hmm. But of course, Sandra then sees the opportunity to tell Russell that Coach is gunning for him. Coach, who at that point had never once demonstrated any ability to strategize in probably <laughs> 40 days of being on the show, but Russell's all in. He's convinced. All right, we're getting out. We're getting out, Coach, now. Coach is come gunning for me. And they take was, out Coach, and Sandra survives. That was probably her best move of the game, almost, you know? Like, and that again, was. I mean, another yes. point where the game could have flipped. Yeah. Yeah, if they vote out Courtney there and then Sandra next, I wonder who wins this season. Probably poverty. Poverty. Because I was actually, I was going to say, I wonder, this is kind of jumping the gun a little, but I almost wonder if it had been a final two and if it had been like poverty and Sandra or something. Not that, I mean, I know Russell won the last challenge, but that, you know, if they had had another one and poverty wins the like endurance thing or something. I wonder if Sandra still wins at that point, or if, like, because they were able to finally get rid of Russell, if some of that, like, stink leaves Parvati. Or if the heroes well, just still vote for Sandra anyway. Well, I guess you get final vote Russell's vote, was, so that helps. That's true. Yeah, that does help. And the final vote was 6-3. to three. Uh, Only Coach, Jerry, and I've lost my list, but I think it was Danielle voted for Parvati. Absolutely nobody voted for Russell, to nobody's yeah. surprise. And then everyone else voted Sandra. So, I suppose it's possible it could have swung, but I would guess not. Yeah, but I guess what Emma's getting at is Parvati then gets to make the argument that, you know, she kept Russell for as long as useful and then got rid of him. Which I think is what they wanted to hear. Like, mm-hmm. that jury would have rewarded anybody who got rid of Russell, and instead, they just rewarded the person who talked about getting rid of Russell. Uh, if you say so. I don't know. 
I'm not all that convinced anymore, especially after talking to Tony, that too many people are convinced by jury arguments. No, but it wouldn't be like they no, would already have, have that discussion the before the jury ever happened. And then she would just be able to confirm that, right? But it'd be like, yay, oh, look at that. Poverty voted out Russell. She was using him the whole time. Or maybe they'd just be pissed at somebody for making them spend one more night with Russell. <laughs> That's a good point, too. But yeah, getting so back to just kind of like an overall assessment of the season, it's just, I think why this one always ranks highly, um, and again, Emma should tell us why she ranks it highly, it's just, it's advanced gameplay. It's This is why it's also better than All-Stars, which I know a lot of people don't like for other reasons, but All-Stars was a bit of a relic still of the old way of Survivor. This is people, other than Colby, who have uh, come <laughs> to play the modern form of Survivor, and they're all doing it in one way or another. Even people who may not be doing it as well, like, say, uh, James, they're still trying to play Survivor. And that was really compelling. It was. And uh, (laughs) and also, what's funny is, I've actually defended this on previous podcasts, and I'll defend it here, too. JT's letter to Russell and providing Russell with the idol... I can see a world where it makes sense. And of course, Russell is not a known commodity to anybody at this point because he's basically playing back-to-back seasons. So it could look to an outsider and clearly look to JT. Like there was all women and Russell, and Russell was the next to go. Looks like maybe Russell's a free agent. They can recruit him to their side. Especially you say, you know, that Russell wasn't a known quantity. It's pretty clear Parvati was, and when you last saw her, she had her little Black Widow alliance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can see where he got that. Plus, it's not, it wasn't just JT, you know, it was everyone, well, Amanda was uncertain, but, like, Rupert definitely, like, agreed with that. You know, and actually, that was probably the biggest problem with it is during a challenge, like, out loud, Rupert's like, oh, yeah, the Women's Alliance is pretty obvious. So that means, you know, the villains knew then, and so Russell kind of could play along with it, whereas, you know, maybe he wouldn't have otherwise. Maybe that influenced him voting for coach. Like, you never know. But, yeah, it's another thing. Like, they don't vote out coach there. They vote out Courtney down Maybe JT doesn't share that idol and a hero wins this season. So, so many, so many little swings and all of that, that, you know, fun what if games. The most fun what if game, of course, is what if Randy Bailey had hung around. No, just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm glad to... I don't like him. There's one more that we didn't even get to, and that's Colby, Amanda, and Danielle <laughs> are on a reward challenge. Danielle finds the, not playing the game. She Danielle finds the idol clue, and then Amanda goes and grabs it from her. And Colby, who would benefit from Amanda getting the idol clue, says, "No, no, no, no! Give it back to her. <laughs> it was hers. Let's watch this stupid movie they're having us watch for some he, reward." He just but, wanted to watch Treasure Island, man. That's right. Was it Treasure Island? It is. Yeah. It's a classic. Actually, what are you gonna do? You know what? Here's another possible game change thing. Would that, would Colby have just said, hey, give back the clue, if they had been forced to watch something like Jack and Jill or Colbert's <laughs> Travels? Well, the fact that they were watching, like, a real movie, you know, a classic <laughs> movie, and he just wanted to, you know, watch, did that affect it? 
I think Colby would have done that. Maybe Colby <laughs> was like, you know what, Amanda? I, I, I could kind of use you getting out of here. It's better you than me, so see ya. I like Emma's theory that Colby is a big cinema buff. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a really great taste in movies, and that's what caused this to happen. Definitely not that he just didn't understand the concept of playing Survivor ever after three appearances. <laughs> A girl can dream. Hey, I went to film school, okay? This is how I think. <laughs> All right, so any, anything else we want to hit to before we wrap up how this season ends? Um, I mean, the double idol play. Oh, wait, oh, we didn't was that a thing? That you know? <laughs> the greatest moment in Survivor was, history? Oh, yeah, 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 I guess that was, was, was kind of, you know, amazing. I actually think that Poverty's Double Idol play has uh, improved people's opinion of Micronesia retroactively. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the way she performed in Heroes vs. Villains has uh, elevated her win in Micronesia in a way that I'm not sure it was there before she appeared in Heroes vs. Villains. Like, it felt like, and maybe this is just me, but after Micronesia, some people were like, oh, well, Amanda dropped the ball at Tribal Council. You know, she she was going to win until she lost. Or Cherie was the best player that season, and they were lucky that they had one more vote to get rid of her. But then uh, after would... after Heroes vs. Villains, it's like, oh, Poverty's the greatest survivor of all time. You know, no, but I... I concur that Cherie probably should have won Micronesia. It... They really lucked out that she didn't make the final, because I think she would have beaten both of them. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Although, you know, having rewatched it, like, they're talking about... Now, granted, Ceri's doing this to try to stay, but there's, like, stuff like um, she's saying how people on the jury are upset with her and stuff like that, and so if she's up against Amanda... Like, if she's up against Parvati, Ceri probably wins. But I also wonder if she's up against Amanda and Amanda manages not... Actually, no. Amanda's never yeah. going to manage not to... Amanda's not to Amanda, the final tribal. Yeah. But no. the thing is, I, I don't think she was came across as quite as, you know, likable. Not that she was unlikable in any way, shape, or form, but I don't think she was quite as, you know, beloved the way she was on Panama, which I also recently rewatched, where that was like, if she even, you know came close to that, you know, she absolutely wins. Like, there's no way Suri wouldn't win Exile Island if she's up against even Terry in the final two, you know? But, my goodness, you could see there's some people, you know, there was so much weird, like, personal feelings and stuff like that. Had Like, maybe, you know, Eric is still upset about the being, like, you know, feeling stupid, because he should, and, like, other stuff, Natalie clearly just had, like, the girls definitely, the girls seem to like Parvati the most, um, Natalie and Alexis. I mean, they voted for her anyway, but, mm-hmm. you know, Amanda might vote Parvati. If Parvati wasn't the one to get rid of her, she might, and she might do it anyway. Like, you never know. Oh, yeah, no, like, she might have still won, but it kind of felt like, until Heroes versus Villains... Like, the fan consensus was that, that, like, Suri was the better player that season, and that Amanda headed into Tribal Council with the game won until she lost it. And now, following Heroes vs. Villains, largely based on Parvati's, you know, amazing double idol play, the consensus has seemed to form that Parvati's the greatest survivor of all time. And I wonder just if Heroes vs. Villains has made that win more, like, better retroactively than it might have been at the time. 
I wouldn't say, well, first of all, I can't speak too much about the fan consensus because... You weren't allowed on the internet back then? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was, when it en- it ended the day before my 18th birthday, so I wasn't that. Oh, back. gosh. <laughs> and um, it's, it's not a podcast with Emma without getting some digs at your guys' age. Uh-huh. But... Continue. No, but um, I would say that it's not, I don't think that, you know, now people saying Poverty is the Greatest Survivor Player ever is necessarily, it's that it's about elevating Micronesia's win, because I think people still say that Servi was probably the better player and Amanda consist- consistently is, you know, terrible in travel capsules. And so that helped Poverty win. But I think they're saying, and then we saw her able to do very well again. So that mm-hmm. shows that, you know, she's a better player like she's a overall great player, even not necessarily saying like, oh, that means her win in Micronesia was better than we said it was before. It's just like, oh, no, that wasn't a fluke, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Was she the best player this season, Heroes versus Villains? Oh, it's a tough call. I mean, you can't yeah, say maybe. that Russell was. No, yeah. obviously just he was. because, you know, you have to account for social game. It depends on if we're of the belief that, you know, the winner is the best player or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, she definitely could have done some stuff better, but she did play. That's hard. I don't know. Probably. I think the answer is yes. I don't think that necessarily means she deserves it more or that Sandra deserved it less. Uh, Deserved is the person who won. Jury voted for Sandra, and thus she deserved to win. Um because that's how you win Survivor. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if I was on the jury, I'd like to think that I would have voted Poverty. And I think the flaw that she did was she, that jury wanted one more thing, uh, which was Russell to get his comeuppance. And since Poverty wasn't able to deliver that, and no one, neither was anybody else, then it was the jury's job to do so. And they did so by you know, trashing him at Final Tribal and voting for the person who was most opposed to him. Now, again, I don't think that we can Sandra's win. That's, it is probably that's how you worth, win. worth mentioning that even, although not entirely, because, you know, a lot of things Russell says are dumb, but even Russell says, like, he doesn't think that, unlike Samoa, you know, he doesn't think that he deserved to win Heroes versus Villains. Like, he thinks Parvati deserved to win, which, for him to even say it's not him mm-hmm. <laughs> is, you mm-hmm. know, that's no small feat. <laughs> yeah. And actually, like how uh, this, I feel, might have retroactively improved people's opinions of poverty and Micronesia. I think it helped, re- like the the you know the non crazies, properly reassess um, uh, Russell from Samoa because people came mm-hmm. off Samoa and almost uniformly everybody was like, yeah, oh, Russell was robbed and Natalie didn't deserve to win, uh, which started, I think, a lot of good conversation of what deserves to win even means. And then but, we see Russell do the exact same thing in the very next season, and people are like, oh, I get it now. Right, you have to be a human being to win. Yeah. It's not yeah, the I, jury that's flawed, it's him. I think that's definitely true. I think the playing twice in a row definitely lowered people's opinions of Russell. But that's not the last time that people's opinions of Russell oh, will be lowered. Definitely not. Um, no. <laughs> Either in Survivor or in real life. Yeah. 
So we didn't even really discuss the actual move here, which is Parvati playing two idols, one of which is JT's, and she plays them on not herself, not Russell, but on Sandra and Jerry, and it turns out the votes were going towards Jerry. And a 5-5 vote becomes a 5-0 vote, and JT goes home through the use of his own idol against him. <laughs> yeah, there is a certain poetry to that. There is, and there's actually there's several times this season where there's a certain poetry to the moves that it's just like, it almost couldn't have been scripted this well, and yet it wasn't. Yeah, and I think that speaks to both the strength of the players, of the cast, of, you know, the gameplay that's going on, but probably also the edit. They probably found themes that they were able to work through, and, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to pay off later, and they really worked it. And I think that's another benefit All-Star Seasons might give the editors a bit more, because they can focus on more people. These, you know, they don't have as much dead weight, hopefully, as long as they don't fall too in love with one person which is always dangerous in modern Survivor. But, but it's like, yeah, you get, like, uh, I, I was actually surprised to remember that Stephanie was the second vote out because it felt like she had an arc. Mm-hmm. And she was gone the second episode. I, I kind of felt like she was third or fourth, but it's basically because I thought Randy went before her. Sure. But well, yeah, and that's why and... I, I like All Star Seasons. Well, bring we got to bring uh, all new seasons so that we can get future All Stars. <laughs> let's let's summarize this season because we got to get to another season with Emma here. First of all, what was the biggest highlight of the season for each of you? Emma, you first. Um, I only get to say one. <laughs> one highlight. There's so many. Um, okay, because I really love Parvati, I'm going to say the double idol play because that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, that's Andy. the only right answer. I actually literally, and I was never that sold on poverty until that moment, and I believe I literally stood up and started applauding to my television because it was Nerds. just. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's unanimous. The double idol play is the best move of this season, or the most entertaining moment of the season. All right. Who is the defining player of the season, whether they won, lost, whatever? Emily, you first. Me again? Yes. Um, Ladies okay. first. It's a very misogynist podcast. We're, we're going with some chivalrous <laughs> well, things here. I've known that. Um, let's see. You know, I hate to say it, but it might be Russell. <laughs> Maybe Parvati, but you can't, you know, Russell really was kind of all over this season. Not to the extent he was in Samoa, but because it was right after that, the show was definitely still trying to sell him, mm-hmm. you know, as like a thing. So, <laughs> how appropriate? Because he is a, kind of a thing. As a troll, <laughs> as uh, Courtney and Sandra would say. Um, yeah, I think I have to. I think I have to say Russell with Parvati as a close second. Andy, Boston Rob. That's no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what's interesting is it's not hard to envision a universe where Boston Rob wins this season. Like he has it's a lot of things set up, and it just takes Tyson not. Yeah, Tyson fucks it all up, and. There you go. Like he, that's why you know it's always fun to joke that it took him four years or four tries to win, but it's like he almost won in a second time. And I think you run this back like a hundred times, and he might win like the majority of them. But I, I'm kind of with you on Russell. He was this. That's 
the Russell game when he's not voted out right away. He's a prime mover of the season, you know? Mm-hmm. Even, like, things late in the season, like Danielle going home early, it's just because Russell decided to be mean that day, right? Yeah, and, like, it wasn't a good idea, but it was undoubtedly his. Yeah, and Parvati's steering him around as much as she can, but you can't give her full credit because, again, her buddy Danielle got voted out on, on Russell's whim. So, <laughs> you know, she didn't have control of the dragon as much as she thought she did. Uh, and then... That's what she I'm said. I'm so disappointed that we're going to be unanimous here because I'm going to say Russell as well. Cause, especially <laughs> because in a heroes versus villain season, he lives up to the villain role. Yeah, he's the biggest villain amongst villains, even. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And bravo. For All right. And so speaking of that heroes versus gi- villains gimmick, how well does this season's twist or gimmick work? Andy, you first this time. Perfectly. Emma. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty damn well, I would say. Um, I could see some people being like, oh, the heroes were annoying because they were, like, obnoxious. But that kind of made it more entertaining that, you know, that happened and seeing them sort of buy into their own myth and kind of self-destructing because of the trying to be honorable or whatever. Like, they get, like, Candace, you know, Miss Mutineer of all people, gets, like, says that, like, JT is, like, super slimy because he finds an idol. Like, <laughs> And also because he voted out Sugar after sleeping with her. But, you know, that's the other things. But, uh... <laughs> no, I... I'm oh, sorry, you gossip. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Um... <laughs> Ew. Uh, not on the island. But anyway, um... Yeah, I guess if you were, like, you're the kind of survivor watcher who really buys into this heroism stuff, then maybe this was a whole season of letdowns for you. But because we're internet cranks who aren't really into that, I loved the inversion of it. I love seeing those, you know, self-important schmucks start to get their own just rewards. That's part of, that's what makes the gimmick even better. Yeah, I will say that this is probably one of the best gimmicks they've ever done. So, again, unanimous. I hope this last question we'll get some disagreement on. What was the biggest flaw with the season? I'll start. I I am very worried that Andy's going to agree with me on this. But the biggest flaw was that one of the best players went home way early. I think Boston Rob sticking around would have made this a more entertaining season. If him and Russell had been pitted against each other later on in the game, I think it would have made it more exciting. Yeah, although, I mean, I will say that it, you know, it helped the season tell two stories, right? The first half of the season was very much uh, Russell versus Rob, plus, you know, the crumbling of the heroes. So it was nice that I guess you don't just get that over an entire season, so they were able to tell their stories. I would say if I, you know, me in a former life would have definitely saw that as a flaw. In fact, this is why I'm wondering why maybe my opinions on Micronesia are too heavily biased, in that, yeah... The villain won, like, not just, you know, the villain in the title of Heroes vs. Villains, but, like, one of the grossest, worst people in the history of Survivor won. Uh, usually, you know, that's not how these stories are edited as best as they can edit them, you know. We like to see them get their comeuppance. But nope, Russell, um, and Rob was getting a big hero edit. You know, surviving his passing out and talking about his family back home and bringing this ragtag of uncooperative villains together to win. And then, sorry, you get voted out by this guy. But it still worked. I still love Emma, the season. Biggest flaw. Um, I'm going to cheat and say two. But um, 
Because <laughs> they're nope, both. You kind of one. I'm going to cut you off as soon as you say one. But they're both kind of joking. No, um, the biggest flaw is that Courtney was barely on it. She didn't have much of an edit, and that was lame. Um, also, that the, the, the Rob Russell thing let, ultimately led to Redemption Island. Oh, yeah, that's true. That, that's, so, that's the one bad. Here's another one. Uh, Danielle DeLorenzo, really? Really? 20 greatest people ever? Her? Anyway. She, her and Unless, Candace. It, that's not the, con- the conceit here, Andy. It wasn't 20 greatest ever. So, I know, but she wasn't a villain either. She just Island. was. You haven't watched Panama, but she's. Yeah, she and she a, and having recently watched rewatched Panama, like yeah, I mean she was there. It like she was loud and she existed. That was pretty, much, you know. She and Candace were the only people when the show originally aired that I did not remember in the slightest. Although rewatching Cook Islands, I'm surprised. You know, Candace. First of all, I was just surprised that Candace was on the Heroes once I yeah. rewatched. Cook and it sounds like that was a last minute decision. Yeah, that they didn't want Sari, Parvati, and Amanda all on one side, <laughs> which makes sense so, actually. <laughs> funny though that you should mention Redemption Island because did you know? Here's my fun bit of trivia. The like theme for this season was not outwit, outplay, outlast. It was return, revenge, redemption. Huh. It's apparently on the like logo for the season. Yeah. <laughs> but, this as I was looking it up today. But I bet Sandra was still like, hey, I outwitted, outplayed, outlast. Because that's like the refuge of every you know, person in front of a final jury that has nothing better to say. They right. just re- repeat the slogan of the show as though that is somehow relevant and, you know, interesting. Can you imagine if, if someone then at the final travel council was like, hey, I... Repeated. I, 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 repeated, I, I, I redeemed <laughs> myself from winning this time. This is the first I, re- time. I came back to the show like we all did. I got revenge on my enemies and I redeemed myself. I guess Jerry sure. maybe could have said that if she had, like, made it and had, like, voted out Colby or something and then wasn't, you know, the bitchy girl. She actually might have fit that the most. Another story where the villain wins. She finally gets her revenge on Colby. Although I guess she did that <laughs> in All-Stars, too. All yeah, right. Uh, so Let's there we finally go. move on to a different talking season. About <laughs> one season, but, you know, if there was ever a season to spend a lot of time on, I think we can yeah. agree that that's one of them. Um, China, you didn't have it ranked as your number one season overall, but you had it, I believe, in your top ten. Um, oh, it is in my top five. Yeah. So... Convince us yeah, that it should also be ranked that high because my opinion right now, which is immutable, it'll be, it can change, is that it's a middle of the pack show. Why am I wrong? Um, it has a really good cast. It's, it's one of the more straightforward seasons despite being, you know, a post all-star. Like, it's not quite a like quote unquote modern season. I feel like those are usually the after heroes versus villains, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. It's definitely not like a super early season, but it's still pretty straightforward. There's basically one little twist, and that's it. You know, it's just kind of a game, and it's just people playing the game, and it's interesting characters, and there's good gameplay, and it's, you know, it's a good, solid, largely gimmick-free season. Um, I think that's fair. I think what happens with a lot of people when they're ranking the best seasons is because there's 28 of these things uh, to a year for the longest time is they think about the big gimmick ones or the ones with 
big returning players, all-stars, that sort of thing. And a season like China can sometimes fall under the cracks because it's just a straight-up season of Survivor, you know? Well, I will say, Emma hit on one of the biggest selling points of this season, which is it had a really good cast. I mean, it introduced us to Courtney, James, Todd, who I feel at times is a little overrated as a winner, but he was still good. And then, of course, <laughs> the the jury threat that is Amanda. Um, <laughs> and even besides that, there's like a lot of fun. That's when I had strep throat a few months ago, I watched the whole season in like three days. <laughs> and there's a lot of fun little like smaller characters, you know, early people and just like, you know, sort of obnoxious people. You've got like people I'd completely forgotten. And then the people you remember, but don't think about like your genre, genre bears or whatever. Mm-hmm. And stuff, but there's, it's a, there's not a whole lot of duds, you know, even like, even their little Southern Belle is kind of funny, you know, and it's got some good moments. Uh, Jamie, you're referring to? Yes. Yeah. I actually think that she'd be somebody that they should keep on the list of maybe bringing back. I think they kind of gave Jamie a bit of a raw deal because they hate the fact that, you know, she and PG figured out that they should really be throwing this challenge. So they just gift wrapped, uh, you know, Aaron to them. Uh, And we've talked about that at length before. That, that was... And that's a, and they have like, there's a cute little, it's, it's really fun to rewatch it knowing that, um, Jamie and Eric got married, you know, cause it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like a show miss the way that Rob and Amber was, where it's like really obvious, or even like obvious. Theirs is a forever love, they will never top that. I just want to. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with Rob and Amber. I actually <laughs> don't think that. But just like that, that they were clearly basically on the show. Like they were very much together. Whereas Jamie and Eric, they're just they're a little like flirty and they're they're friends and stuff like that. And so it's clearly like after the show, you know, developed and it's it's just cute that that like happened. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, sure. I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, okay. the show, they have brought back three people from the show, uh, a couple of them twice. Um, who, who should it, who else should they have brought back? I mean, I miss, I guess Todd, if he was, you know, able to without relapsing or whatever, I think he'd be worth right. coming back. I, yeah. I agree that, uh, he's a bit overrated. I think people assigned a mastermind tendency to him because he was, uh, quite willing to give it to himself in interviews. But a lot of he things kind of broke his way. He was also yeah. one of the first, like, I mean, there was Spencer and Token Sheens, but he didn't last very long. He was one of the first, like, good players who had been a fan of the show, like, mm-hmm. growing up. Like, as you know, started as, like, a teenager and watched the show. And so a lot of, you know, other, you know, fans like us who have been watching for so long get attached to that. And he did have a very solid Tribal Council performance. Yeah, no, I'm, I, was, mean, I don't mean to say that, that he was bad. Oh, no, I know. I'm just saying that's why people act like that. Like, a lot of people assign moves to him that were just as much or sometimes completely like Amanda's idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was better at selling himself, especially at Final Tribal Council, but also in, you know, uh, interviews. Um, but I agree. I, I think he, he was a new mold of player. Um what he was like five foot two you know he's so little (laughs) yeah the fact that he was you know gay basically didn't even matter like didn't come up you know maybe because he just didn't have a survivor shannon on there that season but uh (laughs) he was just 
Yeah, a really hyperactive survivor fan that was out there doing stuff, sometimes to his detriment, uh, which is common for first-time players where they just kind of over-move. Uh, although we just saw a season when somebody was like that, and it worked very well for them. So <laughs> I kind of feel Todd like a lot of the season, um, that middle of the pack. Um, John? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, Todd was actually... <laughs> one of the less compelling characters of those four that I mentioned, he was an okay winner. I did like the fact that he was clearly a big fan of the show. It's nice to, you know, see someone who's also a fan like you are do well on the show. Uh, I just think in watching it, cause this was one of the ones that I went back to watch, never having seen it originally air. And, I noticed a lot of flaws in his game that ended up working out, obviously. But for me, there was just way too many, like, ooh, that should have blown up in your face, and it didn't, type moves. Like giving away two idols to the strongest (laughs) player? That that. would be one thing, sure, yes. And then the... Even that, you can see why... Like, what they really should have just done is told him how to find the one back at his camp, not give him that one as well, Mm -hmm. but, like... That was a, you know, there was, they had good reason to do that since obviously, I don't know the tribe names, but you know, that tribe after the like trade thing, obviously were throwing the challenges to get rid of him. So they wanted to protect their ally. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's even more justifiable than what JT did. You yeah, have an ally more- that's on the other side and you want to protect them. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, just tell them where the other idol is. I guess his thinking is he might not get another opportunity and maybe the other idol is already gone. So it's defensible, mm-hmm. but again, it should have blown up in his face. Uh, James should have played an idol the night he went home and James <laughs> should have won this season as a result. Uh, but the fact that none of that came to play was part of what makes the season pretty entertaining, mm-hmm. uh, an entertaining straight up season of Survivor. Um, it's also visually different than most seasons. Uh, yeah. Like, I get why they do, you know, just island, island, island all the time, because they can do the water challenges and stuff. But it's it's one of the, I mean, it's not quite the, but, it, like, it's one of the last seasons that really kind of goes all out with, like, location theme, you know? Like, they do a lot of, like, China stuff. And it's just, it's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting to see that, too, and, like, you know, explore more like that rather than just, oh, here they are at a beach and it's the beach and it's Samoa again and it's Nicaragua again and it's Samoa and it's Nicaragua Yeah, over and over. And also, uh, not a bad looking collection of survivors for some of it, so <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing, uh, you know. You're a big fan of Denise and Jean Robert? Is that oh, what you're telling me? <laughs> easily, and chicken. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about chicken. Um, See, again, but, like, like, we make fun of Amanda great, like, now because we player. should, but she's also one of the most amazing-looking female survivors that's ever been on the show. Yes. Honestly, Agreed. and I know I don't have a lot of weight in this regard, but <laughs> I've never quite gotten that. She just, I mean, she has a good, but I don't know, her face is just, like, yeah, her just, eyes are well, just Well, you so don't have to date her then, Emma. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> You're off the hook. You don't have to date her. And then on the flip side, you know, like, James looks like he's cut from, you know, marble, right? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Like, that is not, like, my type. And he's so just delightful. Like, he's yeah, so fun to watch. Yeah, this is yeah. James at his absolute most charming. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, every season since then has been a lesser James experience. But yes. Although yeah. I would argue that he's still pretty fun in Micronesia. Because, you know what's funny? People talk about James, but you know what's sort of underreported is how fun he is on a jury. You know, people always talk yeah. about Eliza and stuff like that, but he's hilarious on the jury. He's great. Yeah, he was one of the first to just basically blatantly disregard that he shouldn't be talking. Yeah. He was, like, commenting along and started here, but then especially in Micronesia. Yeah. It's like, I no longer the title. dumbest person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So funny. So was that the dumbest move? James not playing his idol there? It's Where does that rank? It's in the top five. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, it's really high up there. And this just isn't because just... Yeah, go ahead. There, there's... So little incentive for him to sit there and not play them. I mean, a big part of that is that he was probably not a very big Survivor fan. I'm not sure he no. entirely understood the concept of the idols and why they would be so important. Actually, he was just recruited to be on the show because of what how he looked. It's funny that because there is actually a scene where when Todd is you know doing the whole idol thing. Where you can see, you know, they don't show, like, all of it, because I guess that'd be kind of weird to, like, be that blatant about recruits. But, like, Todd is straight up explaining, you know, Todd the fan is straight up explaining to James the recruit how, like, the idols work and what the hidden immunity idols mean and stuff like that. Like, that is a scene that happened on the show. Yeah, but he wasn't so green that he didn't, you know, join in the making fun of Jamie for playing a fake idol that looked exactly like his idol. So, yeah, he'd yeah, figure that out. But, yeah, it's not just like, you know, how it's always a bad idea to not play your idol and it's always fun to make fun of people who didn't. But he had two and there were only three tribal councils left in which you could play it. <laughs> yeah. If you play one tonight, they're not voting for you the next time. Yeah. Right. And, you know, if you're a James, and this is still when this sort of thing counted, don't you yeah. feel like you can bet on yourself that you might be able to win one of these last uh, three immunity challenges? Yeah, you've got a decent chance of winning an immunity challenge anyway. Yeah, so play one now, and then, yeah, if you're going to sit on one, if you're going to risk one, it's the next one. Now that the threat of, you know, James and his idol plays is out there. Um, and he didn't, so this ranks highly. Uh that said, probably the dumbest move in the history of Survivor was from the season we just talked about before this. <laughs> I don't oh, know. I, don't I still know. feel like it's got to be Eric. That's up yeah. there, but I think Tyson voting himself out is. Uh... Oh, that's true. Actually, I thought I was assuming. You thought I, I was talking known... about JT, but no. I should have known better because I know we've all talked about how it's not as bad as people make it out to be. So I should have known that's not what you meant, but that's where I thought you were going. Well, Tyson did the one thing he could do to take go from completely safe to out of the game, and I suppose James did too. Uh, John, what's your questions? Let's go for biggest highlight of the season. I will start this one. Uh, I'll say James going home with two idols was my highlight. Andy? Yeah, that sounds right. Emma? Courtney. There you go, just hey, Courtney oh, in general. good point. <laughs> Courtney we interesting. Did, we did not discuss Courtney enough. And Courtney had the, uh, I think she had the sucks at life comment in this season, right? Yes, she did. She yeah. had the sucks at life comment. She had, um, she had, a, you know, she had a lot. This is where she's not, yeah, she's really not that in Heroes versus Villains, and here she's in every episode. So there's a lot of Courtney comments. Yeah, and she should she have really been horrible, but she Tyson. was great. She won an immunity challenge, you guys. She is and my she, hero. 
Which is even funnier considering the high comedy that was watching Courtney try to hack a rope and all 90 pounds of her just throwing her body weight into it and it not even remotely splitting. And I think it probably took 20 minutes. I actually felt really bad for her at that point because she's as much as, you know, like she's clearly trying and I'm, I'm not that small, but I'm pretty small. And I just know how like frustrating, you know, that must be like, she's doing the best she can there and it's just not working. (laughs) And like, it's a team challenge. So everyone's yelling at her and they're all mad and she just can't get it done. Oh, the challenge thing reminds me, my highlight of the season, I want to change my answer. James essentially winning a challenge that they were trying to throw because he just couldn't tolerate throwing that badly anymore. Like, even trying to throw the challenge, they couldn't lose, and he's finally like, ah, whatever, I'm just going to go ahead and win. Yes, Denise, and I don't blame her, but Denise could not eat that balloon. And so he's finally like, fine, I just got it, I got to do it. But I will actually say besides, you know, a real, like, moment rather than just a person, um, Jamie's fake immunity idol was pretty funny. You know, just because James thought it was so hilarious and that kind (laughs) of heightened it. Like, he was just, like, doing everything he could. Like, he could not stop laughing. He wasn't even on the jury yet. No. (laughs) Oh, amiable James. No, if somehow they could bring that guy back, I'd be in. It's just, I don't and, want heroes versus villains, James. And at, at final, although actually, we didn't talk about, like, for heroes versus villains, but I thought, yeah, he's just kind of, like, sassy that time. He just kind of hates everyone, and they're, yeah. like, confused about banana etiquette. <laughs> and there's, like, Amanda running in slow motion to him. Like, there's still some good stuff there. It's just not quite the same. Can I change my vote for highlight of heroes versus villains? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, let's get on. I I know where this is going, so I'll ask Emma first. Defining player of the season, Emma. Courtney. Exactly, Andy. But, but realistically, James. But Courtney. Uh, Amanda. Oh, I think yeah. I actually... She's in the Hall of Fame, which is kind of silly, but not, you know. She was a new archetype, and I think she did the heavy lifting for her alliance. Uh, Todd wanted to do everything, and Amanda was the one that was able to pull back. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How about not? Also, I'm pretty sure I remember this correctly, because I always feel like I do. Uh, it was her idea to vote out James at it that was. moment. Yeah. That is true. It was. And I will say James, just because it's hard to think of this season and if you took away one person, and <laughs> if you took away James, it'd be like, oh, that's the biggest loss of the season. He was the MVP. Yeah, and it's, me, it's important to say, like, we're, like, strategy heads. We're the type that kind of likes more cerebral people. You think we'd be more in on Todd. And I should also say, I really like Todd, and I think I saw him once in real life, and that's the only thing I've ever had with Survivor. He was at Disneyland <laughs> when I was there. Uh, and I, I looked, I looked down, and, and I job. saw him. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I was all in on James. I was cheering for James, too. It was just uh, such a refreshing personality. Also, I had a run in once with a survivor. I I uh I talked to a survivor on a podcast once. Yeah, it was a fantastic. <laughs> I mean, you 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 listened to a survivor. I listened to a survivor on a podcast. Uh, once. But you were also on that, and people should uh, check that out. Listen to our interview with Tony. It was the best one ever. Uh, All right. So, how well did this season's gimmick work, Andy? I don't really know. There was a gimmick well, other than so we're was, in there China. Was more a twist. There was yeah, more there a twist. There's a, a twist, and it was a disaster. Uh, it the twist was. was uh, so it's swap. Swap's 
barely even is a twist. It's just a function of the show. But the way they decided to implement it, it was pick your two strongest players and send them over to the other tribe. And what happened is what they should have known would happen. All the tribes were like, why are we winning when we can eliminate two of the strongest players that we are not aligned with? It blows my mind that nobody in production saw that coming. It's not like there's one person that came up with that idea and was like, yeah, this is what we'll we'll do in this season. They had to pitch that to a room. No one in the room thought, hey, why wouldn't they just throw the challenge? We might lose one of the best players of the season because we're doing this arbitrarily, you know. Uh, And, yeah, it's just bad idea genes. Like, they almost lost James because of that. And the edit can try to shame Jamie all they want over that, but she was right. Her and PG and Eric were right to do what they were doing, and they yes, should have did it again. Yes, Emma, you agree with us? <laughs> um, mostly, yeah. I would say you know it wasn't a great twist. However, they're you know watching PG and Jamie like ridiculously obvious challenge throwing is pretty funny, and James getting super exasperated. Plus, it leads to what you talked about before with James not being able to throw the challenge. Although the best part is the tribe that has Jamie and PG, when they when they get that list about, um, you know, picking the Warriors, they amazingly, idiotically think that they're going to get two of the other tribe's strongest players and not have to give anyone up. <laughs> they're like, oh my god, it's going to be, we're going to have the majority now. It's seven, it's seven versus five now. Oh my gosh. Like, they all, none of them are like, guys, like, it doesn't occur to them until James and Aaron get there and take away Sharia and Frosty. It's just, it's amazing to watch, especially, well, yeah, no, the whole time you know it's actually going to happen. So just the dramatic irony is just beautiful. And let's get into the biggest flaw of the season, because I think we just covered it. I'm going to say that it would be the obvious incentive to throw challenges. Emma, you agree with me? No, it's that Courtney didn't win. Oh, good point. <laughs> They're going to throw in a deeper cut. that they, they went to the trouble of casting a parkour expert and then had no challenges that would enhance or show off that skill. <laughs> you had one job challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Frosty. He was well, good. No, he, he was, was a fun cute. character, but like, yeah, like have like a challenge course, like an obstacle course, where oh, he's yeah, running he... around like jumping on top of it and like doing backflips, but they didn't do it. I, I believe it or not, when I was just visiting your native land of Canada, I saw a group of parkour, I don't even know what you call them, athletes? Enthusiasts? Sure. <laughs> sure. And I was thinking, like, wait a minute, did I just travel back in time? But parkour, parkour. They, were, they were practicing their parkour stuff. And it made me think of Frosty from China. Can I anyway. say one more thing about Courtney? Before? Oh, God, must you? Go ahead. You know how much Tyson talk we put up with from you? <laughs> Fair point. I just want to talk about the fact that it's a little bit about Amanda, too, but that Amanda's jury performance was so bad that Courtney got two votes and Amanda only got one. That is true. That's an often overlooked point that Courtney... Courtney Got beats two, Amanda. Place player. She is not third. She was not the like goat of the final three. She was second place player. 
and in the uh, heroes versus villains like pre-show assessment or whatever, they actually so, show a clip of Amanda saying, you know, my goal out here is to get to the end again. <laughs> and it made me laugh because that really does seem to be her goal. Just get to the end and then just let it crash and burn. Yeah, she'd be the Buffalo Bills of Survivor. All right. Exactly. Can I, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. No, no. No more talking about Courtney. We've been talking it's about enough things that Courtney, are awesome. I swear, it's not Courtney. Um, just that we didn't talk... We have briefly mentioned how Todd's tribal council performance was really good, but just the best moment from that is obviously his answer to Jean Robert, who's like all pissed because he hates Courtney, and he had told both Amanda and Todd that if they betrayed him, they wouldn't get his vote. But so who's he supposed to vote for? And Todd does what is now the very standard, like, oh, you were such a threat, I had to vote for you. But the best part of that is that Jean Robert is completely silent, and then James... <laughs> Beautiful, delightful. James has to talk. Bursts out laughing. Just can't stop laughing. And Jeff's like, what? And he's like, he shut him up. No one's <laughs> ever shut him up before. <laughs> All uh, right, so you may have convinced us to bump up China a few spots. We talked about an awesome season. Let's talk about the worst season of all time. Uh, yes. You had it at the bottom of your rank because you're a right-thinking person. John hasn't even seen 28 seasons of Survivor, and he still has it ranked as his 28th season. Uh, <laughs> I just assume there can't be any lower. Wait, Let's talk about all the reasons why Nicaragua seen. is terrible. <laughs> okay. Um... Now I'm well, just let's... really confused about how John decided to rank the seasons he hasn't seen yet. <laughs> but, um, it, it just has Nicaragua. a gap. Like, these ones are better than Nicaragua, because it, <laughs> okay. exactly. it doesn't get worse. Well... Okay, so, you know, one of the main things I said about why I liked China is how great the cast was, and that is why I hate Nicaragua. The cast is just horrible. Like, there's really just nothing that, like, Brenda was kind of interesting, you know, vaguely likable, just because she was the only one who actually seemed to be playing but briefly and not that well, and so she got cut down super fast. People find... Marty to be vaguely um, strategic. I think people are just so desperate for there to be someone to root for that they like kind of make some people seem better than they were, and that that cast was just a disaster. It it was so bad that Shannon, who is this incredibly buff, athletic guy, goes home. What was he? The second, third person to go home. He went home really early because he was first of his tribe. Yeah, he was. Such an obnoxious bigot that everybody's like, you know what? I don't care if we lose challenges. Just send him home. Who cares? Yeah, yeah just a failure on so many levels that Jane was built up as America's sweetheart when <laughs> apparently, like, everyone there hated her. Yeah. And, like, even that's worse not than the sugar. first or the last time yeah. that's happened, though. Uh, but it's like they had to vote for someone for America's fan favorite. <laughs> Well, and then they edit, it's like, oh, look at that spunky Jane, who basically was a little ball of hate, and basically just, like, undercut her chances of winning to, like, exact revenge on people. Uh, Namely, Marty, which is also why Marty is not so great a player, even though people like to talk about him as the chess-playing mastermind that he made himself up to be. Uh, He wasn't even actually a chess 
He made that up to confuse Mario. (laughs) But it's like he basically alienated half of his original alliance. I was like, that's smart gameplay. Yeah, Brenda, she went out there and she took control. Uh, she was making some moves, so it was kind of like, hey, that's encouraging. Especially because you don't see that a lot from a woman in uh, mixed tribes. Usually, you know, you can only do that when it's women only. But she forgot completely or was completely disinterested in the fact that Survivor is a social game and you need to be nice to people. Uh, <laughs> so if she's the best you can do, no thanks. Um, failure on every level is Nicaragua. Yeah. And, like, even besides that, like, just horrible, like, I don't even remember what the Medallion of Power does, but I remember it made me embarrassed to watch the show in my dorm room. <laughs> it was a, I, I will tell you, it was an advantage in the challenge, but if you used it, then the other tribe got it and could have the advantage in the next challenge. Did they ever use it? Was it? I don't even it? remember. Yeah, I don't, if I, it was, it didn't really, uh, you know, play out. Because, yeah, why would you ever hand it over, especially because I think the people that had it was the, because this is another way it failed and another twist, they yeah. decided to go young versus old. So the young tribe had it, and it's like, you know what? Our advantage in the, the, the challenges is the fact that we're like 20 years younger than these people. How about that? Well, here's a fun little bit of trivia. I didn't know this until, again, I actually did research today. <laughs> did you guys realize that one of the olds... A guy named Jimmy T was actually <laughs> voted onto the show. They did like a what? I I guess like an online thing, and they decided they're gonna take whoever gets the most votes. And Jimmy T got the most votes. People somewhere in America were like, "Yes, put <laughs> that guy on Survivor." I really think it was the internet just trolling, and bravo to the internet for adding yet another terrible player to a terrible season. I well don't done. even remember that there was another Jimmy on that season. There was. I, I can picture him. I don't really remember okay, much Okay, he happening. is who I thought he was. All right. I <laughs> had was... a picture of a guy, and then I'm like, wait, am I just picturing Tarzan from another season? <laughs> he similar. looks a lot like Tarzan. Because I was going to even say, I, like, I feel like I remember him being vaguely upset that he wasn't the only Jimmy, but I don't know if I'm getting confused because but of the Tarzan whole Tarzan. Tarzan being upset that he wasn't <laughs> the only Tarzan or Troyzan? <laughs> also, I think it was actually Troyzan who was bothered by that. He can't be Tarzan because I'm Troyzan. I'm like, well, yours is the stupider one. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, to be fair, like, who expect in the year what 2012 that people are still going by Tarzan, who hadn't yeah. been culturally Something relevant in some 50s. time? But yeah. they were both old dudes. Uh, this is how bad Nicaragua was. One of the absolute feature players, if you're going to go in airtime, was somebody who up and quit and called her special needs children retarded, I believe. Like, that's what no, the that show was, was reduced to, no, that was, was focusing Nate and Nayaka. Nayaka was terrible, and she was a teacher, but that was Alicia who okay. said, who made yeah. that comment. Nayaka was thinking- just- Horrible. <laughs> You're thinking of the time that Nayanka knocked down the lady with the artificial leg. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the so. You know, a friend of mine actually knows her. She, like, used to work with her. And so she's like, oh, I know someone on Survivor. And then she said who? And I was just like, oh. <laughs> okay. And she's like, yeah, she really wants me to get on this show. Because she, she said she'll, like, call Cassie. I'm like, I don't think casting would take Nayanka's call. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I don't do many favors. Because if I get an interview with him, I'm not mentioning you. Uh, 
But yeah, it's... And that's, like, just the cast. And that's obviously the biggest way in which a show will suck, is if you get a cast. And, like, you you would have to work to get a cast this unlikable. Um, but they doubled down or tripled down by one of the, the worst gimmicks they ever had, which is old versus young. <laughs> and then, hey, what will happen when we take a bunch of 20-year-olds and a bunch of over 30 year olds they they missed an entire generation nobody from 30 to 39 gets to be on this season um yeah. exactly and yeah it's like for you guys exactly but you know what uh if it meant skipping this season i'm all in exactly and it's like yes it, what happens is the 20 year olds are like big brother rejects uh and just completely you know uh, shallow and unlikable and then the oldsters were crotchety and <laughs> angry, and they could not compete physically with this group. And Jimmy Johnson, who I, as a big Hurricanes fan, I have an unabiding love for, he was like 70 at the time. It's, I get that you're doing young versus old, but he was really old. <laughs> well, and that doesn't and, even work. If you're going to go with, like, a super old celebrity, you need to surround him with, like, young players that he can coach up, not, like, exactly. other 60-year-olds, in which right. case, you know, his, his feebleness is only heightened. Uh, yeah, yeah and that's then, actually another way it failed. It's like they did the stunt casting, and he didn't even last, like, long you know, he was barely yeah. there. He was taken out third. And, and he was probably the nicest person on the show. And that's, that's part of the, actually also a flaw and why you don't, you can't do that. You can't go with somebody that famous because it kind of felt like the way Jimmy Johnson was playing was in a way to protect his fame. Like mm-hmm. he couldn't be seen as underhanded because then he wouldn't get as many endorsement deals or get to <laughs> joke around with Terry Bradshaw later about it. Right. And like everyone already knew Jeff Kent was a jerk. So. Yeah, and they didn't know who he was, right? Like, yeah. baseball players are anonymous once they're out of uniform. Uh, I'll remember Buster Posey forever. I'm sure you will. <laughs> but, like, this is how bad the season was. We, again, we're big strategy heads. We like people that seem intelligent, that know the game. I was rooting for Judd to win. Or Oof. Fabio, as we know. Because it's like, at least I don't hate him. All right. So, since this season is so awful, do we do we actually want to go down our list of questions? Let's do it because it'll be terrible to discuss. What was the highlight of this season, if any? Emma, you go first. Um, Dan sitting on that Gulliver's Travels throne during that one challenge that they had to do that was like themed like that. That was that was funny. <laughs> Don't even That's remember that. That's all I got. <laughs> Google it. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, Andy. Um, Holly burying Dan's shoes out of spite with sand, and then turning around and becoming the most reasonable person on the cast. I, I guess two terrible people quitting in a rainstorm. Like I don't know. I don't know what a good moment was this season. I was actually when it was over. People, two people quitting at the same time was going to be actually my original was going to be. When they announced the next season at the uh, <laughs> reunion, but the next season turns out to be Redemption Island, so I don't know that I can call it a highlight. You know what? In, uh, in all honesty, uh, Chase's final jury performance. That's true. That was actually 
he was this wishy-washy airhead for most of it, and then he pulls that out almost like he's Kaiser Sose at the end, and it almost worked. Like, I was like, whoa, Chase, it, you almost have me convinced, but then I remembered I what you did. One, because it would have been funny, and maybe he wouldn't have written that god-awful cruise song, which I hate more than anything. Mm. You're Canadian, a, so you might not know of it, Andy. What, but does his music exit on the radio? Me neither. No, his music doesn't. But he wrote... I mean, I'm not a country music fan either, but um, my boyfriend's roommate loves this song, and he plays it all the goddamn time. <laughs> it's it's not... It, Chase just wrote it. He didn't perform it. But it's uh, the Florida-Georgia line or something, and it's really bad. It's like country and... Is it like too. Nicaragua Survivor level bad? Yes. Well, then it's perfect. How <laughs> appropriate. Okay, so who is the defining player of this season? Oh, God. Andy, go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, is this the part where we should let you do your joke, John, about how they've never had anybody back from this season? <laughs> <laughs> or that we've never seen anybody from this season on the show again? <laughs> we have never once seen a player from this season again on Survivor. I tried to make this joke to you guys in email, and you, and you point out to me as if I don't know. Oh, no, actually, Brenda came back. Yes, that was the joke. Brenda came back, and you still never saw her again. Well, Come on. see, here's the thing, though. I feel like your joke would have worked better if you had said it, like, during Caramoan, because the problem is, for most of Caramoan, yeah, Caramoan, Brenda was barely in it, but then there's the whole crazy teeth thing, and that ends up being, like, a pretty big survivor moment, so you can't really ignore the fact that Brenda existed. She was the runner-up in the fan vote. But yeah. I do, I do like that Brenda comes back, and yeah, is basically ignored, thus validating what we've been saying this show is, this season is terrible and everybody in it's terrible. If Brenda is the best you can do, and I think that she was, yeah. there's nothing here. And stop trying to find a there there, everybody. I'm sorry that it's hard to admit that you sat through a season of Survivor this worthless. But, but we did. Uh, I am obviously a big Survivor nut because of what I'm doing right now. I can, <laughs> I seriously considered not watching the show while this was airing. And I just powered through out of habit. Yeah, but you know what? The defining player is Fabio because nothing uh, summarizes this season better than a knucklehead like him winning and the fans being happy about it. (laughs) Emma, your vote. I would say the defining player is Nayaka. There you go. She she was was terrible. (laughs) The show was terrible. It was all terrible, and she—I mean, she was featured quite a bit. Her quit was terrible, and like. Purple Kelly was just kind of an afterthought. She quit. She had, like, the, you know, there's that, like, one reward or something where she could have given it up, and she already knew she was going to quit, but she's like, no, I want to watch the movie. That's right. And she had an idol. Yeah, you know what? Oh, that's, yeah. That's perfect. And she had an idol and didn't give it to anyone. Yes. Nayanka is the Nayanka defines Nicaragua. And yeah. is you, And it's like how how John said before with China, like you take away James, and in this it's like a good thing. You're like, oh, like that's what you take away Nayanka, and still not a good season. But is it really at the same level of? (laughs) Yeah, like maybe Chase isn't so bad if he's not in alliance with Nayanka. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that that fits, especially because like usually a quitter like that, the show will, you know, try to get their comeuppance, but they couldn't. There's no come up as for Nayaka. She's just like, you know what? 
I'm tired of getting rained on. Peace. And it's like she won. Nyaka won on her own level. <laughs> All right. So, how well did we like this season's gimmick? I'll go first. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if you just consider either the medallion of power or old versus young on their own. Each individually would both be right near the bottom of gimmicks they've ever done. And then they combine them. So this has got to be probably the worst gimmick they've ever done. Yeah, I'd say old versus young is the, the one of the worst gimmicks. And then medallion versus power is the worst like game, like medallion versus power. Yeah. (laughs) Was the worst game element they've ever introduced. Uh, and then whether this is old versus young is the worst. I kind of think haves versus have nots is even worse because you never know. Maybe That's you could have ca- like you could have cast some fit old people. They just like didn't. Your your Terry's like yeah, just take the like cast from Panama. Terry D, if it was like Terry Deets, uh, astronaut Stately. Dan. Astronaut Dan was fun, uh, but like you could even do like Denise Stately, Tom, Tom, like, either Tom, yeah. But yeah, no, they, of- they they cast a bunch of creaky old people. Uh, Chicken, Cowboy Rick. There's plenty of people you could have had. Yeah, you, you could have cast young people that didn't suck quite so much. Exactly. Uh, or you could have done like they do in Modern Survivor, where basically physical strength barely means anything anymore, and it's just about puzzle. But so, you know, whereas has versus have nots was always going to be as bad as it was. And then I guess you also have the outcasts. But I'd say these are worse than outcasts because outcasts, you did, you got to like spend a whole season not knowing it was there until it showed up. <laughs> <laughs> this managed to ruin an entire season. So bravo, Nicaragua. And here's the thing. People, if you're still listening, we want to hear your feedback. We want to hear, but. Come at me with Nicaragua isn't as bad as we want. I want to hear you yeah. defend this season because I exactly. Won't buy it I want to hear second. anybody that can tell me what was good about Nicaragua, because we can move on to our last question, which is what was the biggest flaw with the season, and this could take the next several hours. So I'm going to limit all of you to one single flaw. The answer Wait. is everything. Everything. There's no one thing. This season achieved a singularity of suck unmatched in the annals of Survivor. My, my notes for this say casting, also the medallion of power, but casting. I would go with the fact that it aired and I watched (laughs) it. (laughs) I actually, I think I might have just given up for a few episodes in the middle of this season and then come back and watch the end. I can't remember. Fortunately, I can't remember because it was that bad. But, I think yeah, this it, is the season I watched online more than any other season, you know, rather than watching it live. Although, to be fair, a lot of that was because I was a freshman in college, and you know how that goes, so I just wasn't, you know, going to be around at 8 every Wednesday. But This is yeah. probably the season that sat on my DVR the longest. Because it's definitely a show I want to watch early, get in on the discussion, not get spoiled by somebody posting the interview with the latest. And it was just, it was obligation. So maybe what the worst part of this season is, is that it was the show taunting me for my, like, inability and improving my station in life when it comes to watching television. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, 
But although if this was scripted TV, I would have given up on this show. I've given up on other shows that got this bad. For some reason, I stuck it out, and it's not like they rewarded me with like a dynamite season after that. So clearly, <laughs> there's an addiction. But at least they gave Eventually. me. At least they gave me Boston Rob winning. So <laughs> maybe they knew. So like we just got to give the fans what they want, even if it's only you know fifty percent of them. We gotta give Andy the victory he has been waiting to see. There you uh, go, Emma. That was just for you. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like oh, we didn't even get to hear Andy's Rupert. Ah. Oh. <laughs> there we go. All right. We, let's... Does that mean my Jeffra is the best impression we've heard on this podcast? No, Not even close. Uh, all right. You, so you there we go. <laughs> For the rest of the summer, we're going to do interviews like this. I imagine they're going to be shorter than this one. Uh, <laughs> but that's the bar. We um, Heroes versus villains. Is it the best? China, is it better than you think? Nicaragua, it is most definitely the worst, and there's nothing you can tell us that will tell us anyway. Uh, I like so, to leave some mystery to it. Maybe Nicaragua could be beat for worse. We're going to have other people pitch us worse seasons and see if... Maybe can... another season could come close, but Nicaragua is the worst season of Survivor. You are, there, there's our sneak preview, and we're doing 28. 28 is Nicaragua. Uh, so tune in. Uh, we'll be doing podcasts not just once a week. We might post another one later, so I uh, hope you enjoy. And you can get in touch with us if you want to give us some feedback. Tell us how wrong we are. Tell us how right we are. You can send us a voicemail, JR Purple Rock on Skype. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at Purple Rock Pod. Andy, how else can they find us? Uh, send us an email to purplerockpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a comment on the blog at WordPress, purplerockpodcast.wordpress.com. And you I. Can... Go ahead. I think that's all, isn't it? Is there other ways to contact uh, us? I think they could also. Uh... Leave us a note at Emma's personal address. <laughs> Just tape it, tape it to her door. <laughs> All right. I live in a gated apartment. <laughs> okay, so once again, please get in touch with us. We love hearing your feedback. Um, we liked hearing your feedback about the Tony interview, um, what little of it that we spoke during, and... Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be doing several of these throughout the summer, so get in your opinions on other seasons as well. Theme music. <laughs>